Hello and welcome to the Geeky Medics podcast. My name's Emma, I'm a final year medical student and I usually work behind the scenes on the podcast. This week I'll be hosting an episode on international medical electives. I've got three guests on the podcast this week, all final year students who have recently returned from elective and we chatted through some aspects of planning and the trip itself to hopefully help give some first-hand advice on the process for any listeners who are or will soon be planning theirs. Medical students undertake a wide variety of electives with a lot of people using the opportunity to do academic or clinical work in an area of interest. Some students go abroad to try and experience another healthcare system and use the opportunity to travel, whilst others gain experience in a particular field of interest or in more remote areas of their home country. We recognise that international electives can be really challenging, both logistically and financially. And so for this episode, we're going to discuss tips and advice from guests who went to countries in different places to try and give our listeners a broad range of advice and experience. I chatted with Milena, who did paediatrics and community medicine in Nepal, Arthur, who did paediatrics in Bali and then trauma and orthopaedics in Australia, and Jaisila, who did obstetrics and gynaecology and surgery in Vietnam. Here they are introducing themselves. So my name's Milana and I went to Nepal on my elect. Hi, yeah, I'm Arthur and I went to Bali for two weeks and then to Australia for six weeks. Oh, I'm Jay, Jayla, um, and I went to Vietnam for my elective. I first asked our guests about how and when they started planning their elective. So um, we did our elective at the very start of fifth year at Bristol. And I'd say I probably started thinking about it at the start of fourth year, so around September um, but it wasn't until sort of uh, February, March time that I'd organised it. Um, so probably about five or so months in advance, four or five months in advance. And do you think a lot of people like sort of plan it that far in advance or was there quite a range? I think there was quite a range. There were some people that obviously knew exactly what they wanted to do by September. And then on the other end of the spectrum, people that kind of organised things pretty last minute, sort of in the last month or so before going away. Yeah, so I think it depends what you want from it and where you want to go and that kind of guides how in advance you need to be yeah and so obviously you spent a fair bit of time planning it but how did you kind of come to the decision to go to Nepal and was there any particular reason that you wanted to go there um I kind of mostly fell into it I think there was I guess there's sort of a decision that needs to be made as to what kind of medicine you want to see, whether you want to work in a really specialist tertiary hospital where they're doing sort of cutting edge research and treatments, or whether you want to travel somewhere that's like slightly more remote or slightly resource poor. Um, And because I studied global health as my integration, I was quite interested to see sort of how medicine works in areas of Asia I'd never traveled to. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my rationale for picking Nepal. Well, I had two different locations to plan for so you know, two different kind of strategies to do that mm-hmm. um but both i started looking into where i wanted to go at the start of that uh, fourth year so start of september mm-hmm. uh so a year before i wanted to go um i then started contacting people for the australia bit probably not long after that mm-hmm. and i worked out that was the location i wanted to go mm-hmm. Uh, and researching different volunteering programs in Southeast Asia at the same time in order to work out and what I wanted to do there. Uh-huh. Okay. And do you feel like it was enough time to kind of plan it, sort of planning it about a year in advance? I think, 
yeah, it gave me enough time and also just trying to make sure that being contacting people across the other side of the world yeah. sometimes is 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 challenging and yeah. they're also on busy schedules and different time zones. So that that adds another factor to it. Mm-hmm. Um and then you're obviously having to balance two different locations at the yeah. same time and trying to work out what universities are linked to where you're trying to apply and work out kind of what your details and all the admin and all the forms you need to fill out. So I think it's a year is a good amount of time to make sure that you can do that. So I guess I'd actually spoken to one of the CTFs at Taunton, um, Dr. Malik, about it back in third year. Um, Because he'd said he'd had an amazing time doing an ENT placement at this hospital called Chore. Um, So basically, I just went from there and I remembered what he'd said to me. Um, So me and my friend decided on Vietnam and then we basically planned to split our placement time between two different hospitals just to get a flavour of um, a few different specialties um, and then also see more of the country. So in about November time, we sent out a load of emails to lots of the hospitals um, and the medical schools in Hanoi in the north and Ho Chi Minh City in the south. Um, we actually just found a lot of them off Google Maps um, and did some um, basic research on Google um, to find out a bit more about them and where they were. Um, so we sent off those emails, a standard sort of stock email, and then waited to hear back. Um, but that was in November time. But it took us quite a while to hear back from some of them. So it was only by about February time that we all signed up with both both of those hospitals. I think some of, some of them we heard back from quite quickly, but um, some of them had strict criteria about what kind of, which students they would take. So some of them only took... Um, French nationals or French students um we sort of we had our long list and then our short list um and they um it took a few months to get back from them but by the end we had um signed up to be at one of the hospitals uh an obstetrics and gynecology hospital in Hanoi for four weeks um and then a general hospital called Cho Ray in Ho Chi Minh City for two weeks so we were all signed up by February time, which is a relief. Our guests then shared their top tips for planning. Milena shared some resources for choosing where to go and also talked a bit about companies that help you plan the elective. So one tip that I found really useful was this website called the Electives Network that has a whole, you basically just have to log in, sign up, and it has a whole sort of list of all the different hospitals that you can go to. Um so in Nepal, there were sort of five or six hospitals that were listed there with contact details as well as sort of testimonials of people that had been there before. Um, so that was something that I found really useful. Mm-hmm. Might be might be good to pass on. Um, one thing that I personally wanted to steer clear from, but I know this is not the case for everyone, is the like companies that organise your elective for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I kind of wanted a unique sort of bespoke experience that yeah. was exactly my style. So a little bit of time in a hospital, some community-based stuff and like, sort of alternative medicines and things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm interested in. So I thought it best to sort of steer clear from those companies. But having said that, I know lots of people that did use them, things like the Mighty Raw and Work the World. And I know loads of people had a really good time on those. So if that's your kind of, is that, if that's your vibe and that's what you want, then go for that. Jaycilla then shared her advice for how to speak to people you know and maybe get some contacts to help you start planning. I guess the thing that really helped me was literally just chatting to as many people as you can. Just chat to as many, when you're on the wards, just chat to as many doctors, as many fifth years as you can about where they went. Because um, 
you know, with hindsight, it's definitely one of the real highlights of med school. And you'll find that loads of doctors love talking about it and just talking about their experiences. So just every time you're on the wards, every time you're in a clinic, just have a chat. Say, just where did you go on your elective? I'm planning mine. Any tips? Um, and they'll be more than happy to share. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip because a lot of people have contacts and and often knowing somebody in a hospital, whether that be in the UK or somewhere else, is just like a good like foot in the door. And then you can follow more formal processes for applying once you kind of contacted them. Yeah, exactly. Just hearing first-hand advice is so reassuring because sometimes you can be wading through like Google, you know, opinions on random Google forums, but you don't know who, you know, whether necessarily to trust that. But if you hear it from a doctor first time, it's usually pretty reliable. Milena and Jay Silla then reflected on their experience in countries that weren't primarily English speaking and maybe things to consider if there might be a language barrier. Um, I knew that people in Nepal, for example, had taught medicine in English. So I thought, okay, the language barrier is not really going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but whilst they're sort of taught it in practice, in theory, sorry, in practice, they actually very rarely use English. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant that I was probably getting about 25 to 30% of clinical interactions um, and felt a bit left out the rest of the time, um, which was fine. But I think if that's something that people think is going to bother them mm-hmm. or they really, really want to fully engage, mm-hmm. I would go for sort of an English speaking or if you've got a second language. Yeah, language. So I guess something I didn't really quite consider in enough detail was the language barrier, which actually was kind of a big issue for us. But I think... Um, it was lucky that we chose surgery because it's just something visual is really, really good because you don't want to be stuck in a clinic not having any idea what's going on. Um, and there's always something to see in theatre. So just finding out in advance how big of an issue the language barrier is going to be is really helpful. And often if um, the hospital or the university host elective students or have foreign students there, they'll be quite well equipped to deal with the language barrier. But just see if you can find that out in advance. Milena then suggested that one way to tackle the language barrier is to potentially go to two places if possible. Um, And then I suppose also, I suppose balancing your time so that you get to see the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that did a split, so went to sort of New Zealand, Australia, Canada um, for half of their elective and then also got to see some sort of like LIC medicine, so low income country medicine, which is just a very different experience I think so sort of working out what you want from it and how much you think you can squeeze in yeah Arthur then explained a little bit about the checks and compliance requirements for an elective in Australia so just for the application and initial acceptance into the programs it was um mainly just CV making sure I had the appropriate assurance and appropriate MIPS cover um Mm -hmm. for the country that I was applying for uh, the volunteering program was less so, it was more just apply yeah. and if they have the space then they'll take you. Um, but for Australia, um, there was a few more hoops to jump through. Yeah, so in Australia, um, they often want you to have more vaccines and yes. tests and things like that. And the visa's a bit more, isn't it? Yeah, so once um, once I got my place and acceptance, Australia, I had quite a few forms I had to do. I think there were about 10 to 12 different um, points they needed, whether that be visa or vaccination proof or uh, proof of no TB and things like that. Yeah. So there was a lot more admin and, and things to it. Jaycilla shared some of her quite reassuring advice about how to keep on top of all of the admin and planning um, in the lead up to the trip. 
Yeah, I guess it's quite a daunting time because I know lots of um, people, well, you hear you hear about friends in, in the rest of the year who are all sorted and ready to go and it can feel like you're the last one planning everything. But I just say don't panic, don't don't stress about it too much. Just do do things as early as you can and plan as early as you can. But just you know, don't panic. Um, it can always feel like you're behind on the planning. Um, also, I guess it depends on what kind of elective you're planning. But the key thing for us was being accepted onto a placement um, and just having that under our belts and sorted. And then I guess things like flights can come after that, or pretty soon after that. Um, but once we got our flight sorted and our placement sorted, um, we left a lot of the planning to the bit later because I think um, it's it's already a stressful time. Uni's just started up again. We'd integrated, so we felt like we were just finding our feet with um, medicine again. Um, so we waited until things were a bit less hectic on that side and then tried to catch up with the admin. But I think it is really helpful to start as early as you can also make a list of all of the jobs you need to do because it can build up quite quickly and become quite overwhelming um if you make a list you can just tackle it when you have a spare moment um so a few things we had to think about things like so accommodation obviously transport visas and travel and then things like money insurance um you can get your professional indemnity from the mdu that's free so just um sorting that out vaccines and we we had to send off quite a few um we had to send our cvs and our um, letters of recommendation to the different hospitals so it's just it's it's quite a long list of things to do but if you break it down it becomes a bit less stressful yeah and i suppose if you've got that list of things you need to do and you start early you've actually got quite a few months to chip away at them once you've got the placement sorted because they're kind of just checks that often need to be done by the time you travel but if you've got the placement secured, you, you kind of don't need to rush those things, do you? Yeah, exactly. Most of them are things that you you do for any you know overseas holiday, but it's just getting that placement. I feel is the most um, important thing, and just making that as solid as, as you can, and getting and um, getting familiar with who you need to email and yeah. um, when you need to be there, uh, what kind of things you need to bring. Yeah. Arthur also suggested finding out a bit more about what the placement could offer you in terms of specific opportunities and maybe trying to liaise with your supervisor ahead of going out? Um, whilst I was out there, I think I only found out in the last week that they actually had a paediatric um, hospital mm-hmm. just down the road uh, or even attached to uh, the Prince of Wales. And so there was a trauma orthopaedic paediatric department and that's obviously, that's something that is my particular interest. I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed both peds and, and TNO, but... Uh, I never really got the chance during my university course to experience them together. Yeah, and so in my last week, I did manage to get to one clinic, but uh, I ran out of time to go to any of the actual surgeries or engage properly with that um, department. So if I say again, I would like to have more time to do that. Yeah, maybe that's a tip for people that once they've planned it and, you know, they've got, the agreement with the hospital or placement yeah. or whatever is maybe look around and see yeah. how they could make the experience more tailored yeah and there i think it's important to make sure that you're speaking to your host supervisor and working out what they can offer you and what you really want to get out of that experience next milena shared some advice from her experience in nepal of the more adventurous side of activities during your time off 
Um, yeah, so I think because I'd sort of crafted my trip with a few weeks of traveling before as well as some weeks in Thailand afterwards, I had quite a lot to sort of plan for. Um, I found there were quite a few sort of useful blogs and websites of people that had done a similar sort of travel itinerary as me. Mm -hmm. So sort of things like bringing a live straw water bottle to filter water in the pool um, when you're in remote areas and you don't have access to clean water. Um, And also I wanted to go trekking in the pool, which is quite a big thing. So sort of reading testimonials and things online about that. Basically, the internet is just a very good resource for all things travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people use TikTok to get sort of <laughs> inspiration, um, if that's your style as well. I know that can be quite useful. We also discussed a bit about financing the elective, which is often something that people struggle with and can find quite overwhelming. So hopefully this helps. Um, it definitely factored into my decision not to go to somewhere like the US or Canada, mm-hmm. where sort of the cost of living is similar, if not higher than yeah. that of the UK. Um, in Nepal, things cost about a third of the price of the UK. So I knew that the most expensive thing was going to be the flights out there yeah. and the visa, which is actually a cost that you get refunded. The visa. The visa, sorry, not the flights, if you're in NHS bursary years. So yeah. that's important to bear in mind. Um, as well as that, there are also other sources of funding that people can apply for from their universities, but also um, from companies and I think research teams as well, if you're doing a, a research component whilst you're away. So there are lots of ways to finance it um, yeah. if you want to go away. So don't be put off too early on. Next, I asked each of our guests to speak about the more clinical aspect of their placement and their experience of it. Yeah, so I was doing paediatrics um, for about four weeks. Um, so that involved sort of being on the general paediatric ward, but also I spent a week in the paediatric malnutrition unit, which was really, really interesting. And then a week on the NICU, so neonatal, mm-hmm. I see you. Bit of a mix. Yeah, a bit of a mix. And then I did a week of sort of rural medicine um, at a health camp and a week of Ayurvedic medicine as well, which was really interesting and something I hadn't come across before. Wow, that sounds really different and very much an experience that you're not going to get here mm. in the UK. Um, I found it. It was quite challenging at times. It's quite overwhelming being in a completely different country. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a drastic change. It was very chaotic in comparison to any ward I'd ever been on in the in the UK. Um, but people were super lovely and super friendly. And if you come across sort of enthusiastic, then they're very happy to help you out. Um, so yeah, I thought the placement overall was a bit of a a bit of a jump at first, but I settled in within a couple of weeks found it really interesting uh so my first two weeks i did in bali and i was volunteering uh in a local school in the north um, of the island mm-hmm. this um was mainly to observe ch- children development and kind of help out in the local community so what that involved was working with a range of age of children from four to eight mm-hmm. uh, helping teach english um, just assisting in their general day-to-day classes and uh, engaging with them at playtime as well as helping them uh, build their um, offerings um, as part of their Hindu culture there. Mm-hmm. For the second part of my elective, I was working in Sydney uh, with the T and O teams, the trauma orthopaedic team at the Prince of Wales. Um, so that was much more clinical-based 
um, mostly in theatres, watching a wide range of different surgeries in upper and lower limb, um, and then helping out at different types of clinics as well. Um, so I in um, in the hospital in Hanoi, we were doing a bit of everything. I guess that was one of our. Um, it was almost a stumbling point, but not really. But I I had intended to go out and do a surgical placement and. Um, so major in surgery and mine in obs and gynae, but um, it ended up being that we, the three of us who had travelled out there, they wanted us in the same hospital. So had to be a bit adaptable and ended up doing um, four weeks of obs and gynae and anaesthetics. And then I did ENT um, at the hospital in Ho Chi Minh City. That sounds quite varied. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I got quite a, a flavour of everything. I guess I'm when I applied and also now I still don't really know what, what I want to specialize in. Um, so I guess I just thought I'd get a flavor of lots of different things um, and see what appealed to me. Each of our guests then shared the story of a particular case which has stuck with them since they came back from elective. And um, so in terms of a sort of case that stuck with me whilst I was on placement, um, there were a lot of cases of sort of dengue and snake bites in Nepal, which is obviously something we don't come across very often in the UK. Um, and a couple of cases of sort of snake bites really stuck with me because on paediatrics, like children can get very scared easily. And it was, yeah, quite interesting to watch sort of navigate how the doctors navigate that so that kids aren't scared to play outside after having sort of quite a scary thing happen to them and sort of managing the parents' expectations. Um, Cause it can be quite, yeah, it's quite a cultural thing, like mm. snake bites and mm. snakes being evil creatures. And it was quite interesting watching the doctors navigate that with scared parents and scared children. Yeah, that is really interesting because you're not going to come across that in the UK, are you? Not very interesting. Yes, I guess I was reasonably lucky that the hospital at Prince of Wales uh, was quite a large trauma centre in Sydney, one of the major trauma centres. So I'm... Um, whilst doing my trauma orthopedic placement, I got to see lots of different emergencies um, and lots of different uh, injuries. Um, one in particular was a spiral fracture of the thema, which had ended up being in three places. Um, so I ended up taking, I think, two consultants, a registrar on me, to be able to reduce the uh, fracture. And so it was um, quite an engaging experience to be able to be involved in that and feel like I was helping in, in such a major surgery? Mm, yeah, it's not necessarily um, an specific, but I just, I guess, because it's, there's such a huge population, you have such a wide variety of diseases you see, and sometimes um, things are really far on in the, in the progression of the disease compared to here. So, um, and in Ho Chi Minh City, I got to sit in on ENT theatre um and basically saw some skull knee surgery which i'd never ever seen before um the patient was i think about in the late 60s um and they they presented with sort of um stuffiness um like nasal obstruction um and a headache and restricted eye movements and nosebleeds um didn't know what was wrong with them um but they had a it ended up having a nasal cancer which actually, when you looked at the patient, you could see, you could actually see it on their face, just between their eyes, the, the tumor sort of protruding because um, it had grown so large. So we saw, the, we saw the surgery to remove that. 
and I think it was really it was really incredible um definitely I've never seen surgery like that and it was just it was a, a massive surgery massive operation and I guess it's just one of those moments where you um even though we're so early on in our careers it can still be really easy to become immune to the things you see um and then you see a surgery like that and for me it, that was just it just reminded me of how powerful surgery can be like how how resilient our bodies are because I'd seen this huge tumor being removed in the middle of the space and then the next day saw him sat up eating and I just thought it was a miracle so um and even more inspiring for me was that the the young female surgeon who was operating on him um and I just thought that that case was really it reminds you why you're doing what you're doing and what you could you know go on to do in your career if you dreams Lastly, I asked all of our guests to share their kind of overall reflections of their experience and any best bits which they wanted to share with people. Yeah, that's a pretty big question. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's just such a unique period of time that you can spend mm-hmm. doing character development and also professional development. Um, so I'm pretty pretty glad that we had that experience. Yeah, um, we've only just gotten back, so I'm sure it will stay with me in various ways. Um, and I'll reflect on it over the years. Um, but I think it was just such a unique experience and I feel really privileged to have worked with such a lovely team and mm-hmm. seen some really interesting things on all the various placements that I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me it was quite nice because I had two quite different experiences um, and got to try out two different kind of um, specialties that I was looking into with experiencing more engaging with the children and uh, seeing how they're varying different speeds of development in Bali whilst teaching them and and, and engaging with, with play with them. And then the other element, obviously, getting to ex- really experience and, and be involved in a trauma and orthopaedic team, which is something that in our university we only get two weeks' experience of in our whole five years. And it was something that caught my eye, but to be able to actually properly engage with it for a full month yeah. and feel a bit more like a value member of the team and, and having a role to play in the surgeries was uh, certainly an amazing experience for me. I guess the travel was really, really amazing. I think med, med school is definitely saving the best of the last by having your elective in your final year because sometimes I just catch myself sort of amazed that this is part of our degree. <laughs> How lucky are we? Um, definitely worth, worth the wait. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love Vietnam. The people were so warm and kind and the food was incredible and unbelievably cheap as well. Um, it's, it's definitely been pretty painful coming back to the UK and not paying like one pound for lunch. So, um, but we, we followed like a pretty, a pretty well trodden, trodden path, um, and crammed in as much sightseeing as we could on the weekends. Um, I think the highlight for me was trekking in North Vietnam in a place called Sapa. And there's um, rice terraces and the peace and quiet was such a contrast to Hanoi, which was chaos. So um, that was a real highlight for me. And then I guess things like diving, um, motorbiking, uh, ending the trip with Bali with my good friend Emma, <laughs> which was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, overall 10 out of 10, the recommend. <laughs>
on that cheerful note, I would like to thank all our guests so much for coming on the podcast um, and sharing their experiences and their advice, um, offering tips to people. I really hope that it's been useful for people who are listening and maybe planning their elective or thinking about it in the next couple of years. I think something really important to say is just there is no right way to do the elective. As you can see, people have very varied experiences and people find out what works for them and whether it be in your home country or taking the opportunity to travel if you can. Um, I think a lot of people gain something from the experience um, and maybe sometimes in unexpected ways, but it's definitely a really valuable opportunity in med school and I really hope that people have a great time if they're going on elective. <laughs>